Hi all and welcome back to There's Danger Here. I'm Leilani and I'm Sam and today we're venturing into Washington State for a case. Back up north. <laughs> I swear eventually we'll get out of the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. There's so much that happens. Oh, it's a depressing state when it comes to serial killers, people who do really dumb scary things. So I think it's the vitamin or lack of vitamin D because we don't get sunshine. Almost everybody here they say is supposed to be taking vitamin D supplement. Yeah. I chew like four gummies a day, which is four times the amount I should be having. But it keeps me going. So. In the winter, I have to have the extra strength. Oh, yeah. The once a week, 50,000. So I'm like, all right. Like, there is sunshine out. They're like, not enough. Not nearly enough. <laughs> and we never see it when we're at work. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, so, this man uh, became known as the werewolf butcher. So we are talking today about Jack Owen Spillman III, who was born August 30th, 1969 in Spokane, Washington. Jack's mom was married and divorced four different times throughout the years uh, with four half-siblings. This led to a very unstable childhood for Jack. He's also known to have a low IQ. Even in his mid-20s, his IQ was ranked as low as a typical fourth grader. So not, mm-hmm. not a bright. As such, by the time he was in ninth grade, Jack decided to quit his education. He became a manual laborer after dropping out. The last of his jobs was as a butcher. That's a great way to start off this this one right here. In a normal circumstance, he'd be like, hey, man, he's holding down a job. Like, that's super good what he can get manual labor. Actually, I dated a butcher once, and it was, like, one of the, like, sexiest professions (laughs) that I thought I was dating. I was like, this man is amazing. Like... He knows how to cut a good steak. And it was like, I just loved it. I mean, he probably swung for a steak. I think oh, that. yeah. It was amazing. In typical sociopathic behavior, Jack was known to torture and kill small animals in the neighborhood he grew up in. Not so common. Like yeah, no. And so common, I feel like, among killers. There's like this trifecta, and one of them is, you know, torturing, killing small animals. As a young adult, he moved into a trailer park and began committing petty crimes and burglaries to support himself. He started earning himself a lengthy record, which included petty theft, malicious mischief, assault, and rape. It was at this time he became obsessed with werewolves as well, started collecting all sorts of memorabilia on the subject. This in and um, of itself does not make a person strange or particularly bad. There's a lot of us that love different types of animals, things like that. But if you couple it with his future actions, it sort of seems like a sign of things to come. Yeah, it also is like, I don't know, people can have their obsessions with whatever it is. I A lot of people like werewolves. They're yeah. a wild concept, and they're fun to think about, I guess, for some people. But you add it to, like, a man who's killing animals, raping women, and you're like, okay, yeah. You can't have that obsession. Like you can't have anything fun. That's not the one for you. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe you should be obsessed with going to the gym. Like let's try a different obsession. Want him jacked either? I guess that's true. Maybe you know it releases endorphins and maybe he doesn't want to kill anymore. 
guess it could be a thing, but I'd be like, oh, good. Now you're even stronger. Uh, yeah. Probably. He can't lift any weights. He can do, like, hit workouts or, you know, just <laughs> interval training. <laughs> Uh, in 1993, Jack was arrested for rape. Uh, after going to a bar with a friend, the two offered a woman a ride home. At this, um, she was sexually assaulted by the pair. She immediately went to her police and reported the pair, uh, and they were subsequently arrested. However, the charges were later dropped. It looked like she just kind of had a hard time dealing with all of it. We hear that all the time. Charges get dropped because the woman. There's a lot of ridicule that comes with oh, these wow. types of events. and. We see a lot that women back out. And it's not because Jack didn't do anything. It's because it was too much for her, which is not fair. I feel like she should still get, he should still get charged. It happens a lot. Like, I feel like even the police, like people you should think are on your side, also question, like, are you sure? Like, mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. really like push you to question mm -hmm. your own reality of that situation. So there's a documentary series. I don't know if it's based on true or if it is true where it's like innocent to something and it's basically where there's medical professionals, police, investigators, they're all gaslighting women who are bringing up these issues and then they end up with charges. It's based on true story. I've only seen, I couldn't, like, I couldn't even bear to watch it because I was so infuriated by oh, this thing. infuriating. And because uh, you know it's real, this is happening, that women are like, coming forward and being like, I was raped, and then they're no longer the victim, they're the one being prosecuted, and then when they want to take back their story, because it all becomes too much, they're like, all right, well, that's falsifying information, Right now we're coming after you, because they were just, people were so cruel, I'm like, that's, like, be better, be yeah. better. Yeah, I'm, not to get off on this tangent, we're all ready, but I just, watched again this is how i get all of my like conversations in life watching tv hypothetic um <laughs> but i just watched the documentary about the gone girl case in california that girl was kidnapped for 48 hours and when she came back no one believed her she so was the one with the boyfriend right yeah with the duct tape goggles yeah you just watched that and then it turns out later it was true and it was finally it was finally that female yes that officer and i was like Yes, yeah. you. Yes, we all appreciate. Like, finally, someone it, who's taking this seriously. It really made me like recognize how important it is to have female officers. That like just kind of a vendetta against <laughs> against men, but she was like, "Nah, this can't happen." This there is a girl who had this who had this hair on her head. We need to find this woman and like make sure she's okay. And she was not okay. Yeah. So, and she did all that legwork trying to get a hold of other departments and stuff, like just relentlessly. Oh. Like, thank you. Yeah, that was wild. So, if anyone hasn't watched that, you should watch that. Definitely. Yeah. 1995, Jack ran into mother-daughter duo Rita and Amanda Huffman. Rita was a 48-year-old single mother, and Amanda was just 15 at this time. After meeting Jack or running into him, I don't think they actually knew who he was. He started stuff. Mm -hmm. So he started watching their moves within their home as well as their daily routine. Finally, when he felt he had seen enough and was confident, he broke into their home in East Wenatchee, Washington, through an unlocked back door. After watching for weeks, Jax was able to determine that 
while Rita locked her front door, the back door was never locked, which, lock your doors. I mean, I, and your windows. I grew up on the east side of Washington State. Spokane was like the big city near me. Wenatchee is like not too far away from my parents' house currently. No one used to lock their doors. No. Like, even where I grew up, I mean, small town, but I don't remember locking my door until probably we moved into a different neighborhood when I was in middle school. And I think that was maybe the first time. And it was because we were right off of a main road. Right. And I feel like that's the only reason we locked it. I also feel like when Natchez small enough that like the community, you know, everybody would like sort of recognize that there's this creeper who's like hanging out in front of this house all the time. Yeah. Like, a neighbor had to have been like, who is that? Yeah. Who is that? Why are you here? Yeah. On late, a late night in April, Jack drove to their house, leaving his truck close by, but kind of further down the road. After parking sometime around 11 p.m., he walked into their backyard and opened the back door. He found Rita on the living room couch, viciously attacking her, before moving on to Amanda, who was found in the master bedroom. Amanda's older sister called the next morning, and after trying several times without answer, went to the home to find out what was going on. She attempted to enter enter through the front door, which again, it was locked. And after knocking and receiving no answer, she moved on to the back door. Again, she knew that door was going to be unlocked because that was their usual. So she entered the house and found a horrific scene. So just so you know, this is pretty brutal for what happened. So Rita was lying on the couch, covered in blood, having been stabbed 31 times. Oh my God. 31. That is rage. Yeah. Defensive wounds covered her hands and her arms. She was eviscerated from the vagina to mid-chest, so deep that her organs were exposed. Oh, my God. I could not imagine finding that. No, and that's your mom. Mm -hmm. She just walked into her mom. Her genital area was removed and shoved into her mouth. What? Which. I don't even understand. I mean, how do you do this? Like. Yeah, and it's just, oh, yeah. He doesn't even know them. So this is not like a revenge thing or right. an anger thing or they did something to make him mad. He literally just started stalking them for seeing. Mm -hmm. her, both of her breasts were also cut off. Venturing further into the house, she found Amanda. Amanda had been raped and then sexually assaulted with a bat that he left sticking out of her. Her genitals were also cut off and placed on her face. Rita's breasts were lying next to Amanda's body. Amanda was wearing a watch at the time of the attack and it read 1135. And Amanda was found in Rita's bedroom. Holy cow. This was his first murder. Well, this is the first one that they... Yeah. Like, no, uh, it seems like that can't be a first time. No, it, it's not. We'll talk about it. But still, he's not, even after all this, he's not like a serial killer in the sense that he has many, many people. Um, there's only one other case before this. So he just exploded. Did we talk about his child, like his childhood? Like, I know. So the only things. thing that they say about it is that it was unstable because the mom had, you know, married and divorced multiple times. He has all these half siblings. 
nowhere in there did I see there was any abuse that was involved, anything like that that would suggest a terrible upbringing. There probably was, right? Like, not necessarily. People are just psychopaths. Yeah, true. Meanwhile, in the early morning hours, Jack was arrested for suspected burglary. Initially, Jack was released as the bodies had not yet been found, and Jack had nothing on his person to confirm any burglaries had actually occurred, like he hadn't taken anything. A search of the area where Jack was um, let officers to find a bloody knife. Once the news was reported on the murders, a witness came forward and identified Jack's black truck as being in the area at the time of the murders. So yes, a neighbor did see it and saw the news of what happened and was like, hang on. Yeah. Somebody was there. This is what I thought. Yeah. You didn't need like ring cameras. Like you, neighborhoods used to be like in a community like that, locked down. Mm -hmm. Someone was the watchdog and they knew everyone who came and went and they would have been able to go to the police and be like, nah. Certainly. Still, the evidence needed to be processed to place Jack as the murderer. Pending processing, Jack was released after his initial charge of burglary. So, I don't know, most people think movies perpetuate this, shows perpetuate this, that evidence gets processed and it takes hours when in fact, especially in small areas like Wenatchee, it can take months. Oh yeah, because they have to send it to the FBI headquarters or where, depending on what they're trying to process. Mm -hmm. I know even down here, they'll hold people for years while they're processing stuff because it takes, I mean, there's, I think they have one, maybe two places that we process stuff within the state yeah so i can't imagine you know and when that she's even smaller up there i can't imagine that they have many more facilities that are doing anything so no they probably sent it to olympia and they yeah. got put in a line yeah so this this took time police did tail jack for two weeks while waiting for results of the blood tests this led to the discovery of additional evidence shortly after the police watched as jack had discarded items like right after getting let go from being arrested so it was like we know that you've done something something's wonky police are going to follow you and immediately he's like let me dump all this stuff police quickly recovered a black ski mask that was covered in blood this blood matched both Rita and Amanda and mouth had significant amounts of blood not just splatter from the attacks but investigators believe that he likely drank his victim's blood oh my god this man He's obsessed with werewolves. And he's just really not smart. Like, no. When the results were in, it was confirmed that the knife that we had talked about just a minute ago was a murder weapon. Jack was arrested for the murder of the mother and daughter. In April 1996, four months before his scheduled trial date, a plea bargain was agreed upon in which Jack not only pleaded guilty to the double homicide, but also gave information on a previous homicide that he was suspected of but never charged for. Mm -hmm. For this, he was spared the possibility of the death penalty. So let's talk about Penny's case because this was just equally terrible. So Penny Davis was a nine-year-old that went missing. Um, yeah. Nine years old. Oh, what a disgusting human. So this is another small town name, and I, is it Temascot? 
Tanaska? Yeah. Yeah. Washington. Yeah. In 1994. That's what I thought. But every once in a while, these small towns up here, I'm like, wait, I've never actually heard anybody say it out loud. Yeah. Tanaska. Yeah. No sources vary on how Jack knew her. Some reports state that she was the daughter of a girlfriend, while others state that Jack had just stayed at the family home at times. At the time of the disappearance, uh, Jack had left town like abruptly after. He was questioned but never charged of the crime. He did lead authorities to her body, and when it was uncovered, it was in the same position that was Amanda was found. Yeah, like, it just seems so, like, almost calculated, though, too. Like, I know it's not, obviously, but, like, it's shocking that that is even his murder. Yeah, that one is... So he admits that Penny was his old, the older sister to her, was the intended target. But uh, he decided to pick the easier target because he just couldn't get near, get her alone in a sense that he could take her away. Mm-hmm. So instead, he took this little nine-year-old and tortured her in a local cave. I I would never have made a deal with him based on that. I think they did it to close the cave. I was going to say. To find her body. Because at this time, they didn't have her body. They didn't know where she was. Right. She was still technically missing. It wouldn't have been confirmed. I also don't understand people who like don't want the death penalty, but they take life. Like, why? <laughs> why? Like, because they still get to live out their life. I know they're behind bars, still death, living. It's not like you're gonna like people are on death row for like twenty five years. By the time you get to that point, you've lived a pretty quality life. And I mean, okay. That's not, that's not quality. But you haven't lived a quality life. You've lived a long enough life. Like, yeah. I just have never actually understood someone wanting life versus death. So I think a lot of people fear death. And I think even murderers qualify under that. So they don't actually want to die. Which is strange because they're murdering people. Yeah. so when it comes to that, they're like, yeah, I'll take life. I'll live out my life. Just four walls. Uh, he said the only remorse he had was that he drove too deep and she died too quickly for his liking. Still, he admits that after burying, he would occasionally return to the grave. And he did this several times for sexual gratification. Oh, my God. What? That's that a human. Yeah. Like there's so many things, like obviously so many things wrong with this man. It's just how again, I think this is gonna be a reoccurring thing. How does a person like this walk around and have relationships in his life and people aren't like, oh, that dude is killing people? Like how do you like just mask that and hide that? It's just so crazy to me. Like, and I don't know how many like good relationships you could say that he had. The one friend that he had, they went out and raped somebody. So right, right. What kind of quality right. human beings is he hanging out with? None, it seems. Yeah, I guess it's true. Some people might be like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, you see all the time where people find people to go murder with. How right. do you do that? I actually. It's just so Come on. Well, in cases. Okay. In cases. Sorry, we're going to start bringing it to you. Yeah. We're going to start seeing it. 
like, are you about to ask me some questions here, Leilani? I'm not interested. <laughs> no, we're on the other side. Yeah. Fighting for yeah. people. Yeah. So with all this information, Judge Carol Wardell handed down a sentence of life without the possibility of parole for first degree aggravated murder of Rita Huffman, then 70 years for the first degree murder of Amanda Huffman, and lastly, 45 and a half years for the first degree murder of poor Penny Davis. Dax Spillman seemingly has no remorse for his killings. He even told one of his cellmates he wanted to, quote, become the world's greatest serial killer. Well, Which, he failed. Ew. Yeah. Why is that? A I, regardless of your goal, like, I hope he knows that he failed that, like, horribly. And, like, you're a loser. You're, yes. Like, even in the decision to do the dumbest thing and, like, worst thing in the entire world, you sucked at it. So. Way to go. You are a loser. And I hope that the prisons up in Washington are similar to the ones here. Uh, you weren't with me on my first episode, but I talked about how one of the serial killers who killed women was made fun of. And I hope, especially because he has a nut job, that he's mm -hmm. getting the shit kicked out of him. He's not a good I would like, you know more than I do because I haven't spent a lot of time in <laughs> prisons. <laughs> but but... I was Listen, right, again, on this. again, you were on the other side. But I haven't spent really any time in a prison. Yeah. I actually don't think I can say I've ever spent time in prison on like in that capacity at all. And I just, I know, at least in New York, I've known some guys who are like at Rutgers and. Well, New York's harder prisons. Yeah, but you're not getting treated well yeah. if you've touched anyone under the age of eight. They don't like it. So I know in the state of Oregon, unfortunately, they call it, a lot of inmates call it Prisneyland because we're one of the few prisons where sex offenders walk around. If they pay off whoever runs the tier, they, I mean, they don't beat, get beat up nearly as often mm -hmm. as other prisons. You'll see when they'd have like interstate transfers, they come and you could tell who they were immediately because they'd be like, Do you know what this guy did? And I'm like, Oh, you're from like, especially California. Yeah, they don't let them walk, they don't get to walk around and have a good time. I don't know how Washington is. I have not, I don't know anybody that's been in. I don't, I've never been on that side. I've never gotten to go inside any other prisons in that state, so I don't know that one. But I'm hoping it's more like California than it is Oregon. I would think it's a little harder than Oregon. Not nearly as hard as Oh, I guarantee it's not as hard as California. Yeah. That is one that I was like, nope, I would never be a correction nurse in that Oh, state. no way. That, no thank you. Yeah. So he also detailed to his cellmate that he had studied other serial killers and forensics in an attempt to learn how to keep from being identified, which clearly didn't work. He also believed that he was a werewolf, which is why he stopped his prey that he wanted to cut out the heart of one of his victims in order to eat it. Luckily, he did, wow, not. He did not do this. This did not come to fruition, thankfully. The cellmate also reported that when he would speak about fantasies, he would get, like, super frantic and hyper about like, mm. It's like a little kid telling a story. It's gross. Yeah, it's that, like, I'm sure a psychologist would be able to explain. It's like where you're brain just switches into 
primal, like, all of the, like, chemicals that normally go to the parts of your brain that make you function normal just mm-hmm. stop going there. Yeah. You just become this, like, child again. You do. Yeah. And that wraps up the case of Jack Spillman. It took cell in Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla, Washington. Oh, he no. shall remain. So I've heard some stuff about here it's not easy. Yeah. To all those listening, remember to be careful out there. It's a dangerous world we live in. And again, at the end of this, we'll Sam and I will say, if you're listening, please like, review, and subscribe. It widens our audience so that other people can listen to our podcasts, and we greatly appreciate it. Thank you.